Hello and welcome to episode 269 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley, joined by Jacob. We don't have Bryson with us this episode, so reversing roles. We get one of you back, but not the other. Jacob, how are you? Uh, yeah, it is nice to be back. I mean, it was kind of a crappy week for the team, a terrible road trip, unfortunately, but uh, it is nice to be back. And to the person that commented saying that I've been missing the episodes to uh, avoid playing guitar on the on the camera uh, and the YouTube videos, no, that's not the case. I mean, maybe I'll cook up a Section 138 album one day, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, no. No, anyways. <laughs> anyways, um, we got a lot to cover today. I mean, there's only a two-game series, but... Oh. It was a bad two-game series, and I think that's what I think uh, makes these episodes a little bit more interesting because there's a lot of things that need to go right for this team if they want to turn things around. Hey, we're always looking for intro and outro music, so if you want to cook <laughs> up one of your own songs for that, we'll get oh, some man. original music. <laughs> um, Just but yeah, Jerry I, Howarth is the sample. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, this team is like... I don't know. Bryson and I talked about it last episode. It's impossible to figure out what the hell is going on right now. You get swept in four games by the Boston Red Sox. You sweep the Pittsburgh Pirates in three games. And then you get swept in two games by the Philadelphia Phillies. It's just very confusing, the ups and downs of this team right now. Last episode, I praised them for being mature and being able to bounce back from that four-game sweep with a sweep in their own right. And now they bounce back the other way. So it's just weird, weird, weird. But let's start with the thing that everyone on the face of the planet is talking about right now. And that's how game two of this series on Wednesday evening ended for the Toronto Blue Jays. They go into the 10th inning. Tim Meza is pitching very well. Gets the Blue Jays into a situation that they should get themselves out of. Bo Bichette fields a ball. Makes an errant throw to first. It sails past Flatty. And the winning run comes home to score for the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, we haven't actually talked that much this season about Bo Bichette's defense, and that's phenomenal because, you know, after basically the first week of the season, he's been great. But what I want to pick on you for, Jacob, is what you said in our Discord after all this went down. And I want to quote it to you and just have you explain your opinion or if you even still stand by your opinion because it's very dramatic, but you said, I just saw the bow air. I legitimately want this man sent to the minors. I don't care that he can hit. His defense is more of a liability than a $500 million mortgage on a balance sheet. Um, explain yourself, Jacob. I wasn't expecting you to quote me there. That was, oh my gosh, that was, I was thinking of a clever way to say that. Um, but what that was the weirdest thing I could have sent in the chat. But um, I was actually going to mention this. I think Bo Bichette needs to go to the minors. I'm not saying permanently, but for a period of time. Because at this point, I know he's only made one error in his last 20-something games. But this is disgusting, in my opinion, that he cannot make a basic throw. And it's not even like this is pre-2016, where the runners can take you out going to second base. You have time to throw that ball. I don't know how this is messed up. And even, you know, you look at, I know he's had a, a better defensive season than last year, and although it is early, but he's been looking a little bit better. But you look back at it, like the very first play of the entire 2023 season, a Bobachette error. This last play to end the game, an error. That should be a double play to end the game, or end the inning, excuse me. I'm not saying that they're going to go on to win the game, but they should not be losing it in that inning. And look, I know he is one of the premier hitters in all of baseball, and I, I can't argue with that, and I want him on this team, 
from an offensive standpoint, but at the same time, baseball is a two-way game, and it's not like hockey where you can make up for bad defense or basketball or any other sport where you can make up for bad defense to some extent with good offense. You are going to be on the field defending for half the game at the absolute minimum, and if Bo cannot make a simple defensive play, he needs to go down, at least for a little bit. He, I think, here's the thing. He's a good player. He has the name associated with him. I don't think that people would want him in the minors. But that being said, it almost feels to me, and I could be totally wrong, and you can disagree with me, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of hate comments for this take, but he needs to be held accountable for these errors. And we always hear he's the first one on the field, the last one off. He's always putting in the work. He's had a good stretch, but these are unaccountable unacceptable in my opinion and to you look at a couple years ago when they missed the playoff by one game I mean I'm not saying it was the Simeon error uh, that caused them to, to um, blow the lead and then lose it later but it's simple things like that plays that absolutely need to be made that are not being made and to me Bo Bichette right now is a liability defensively and, and I think somebody in our discord said something like he's a DH and we just have to accept it I'm not really willing to accept that. I like, yeah, if, if that's truly what he is, if he's just a subpar defensive player at best, fair enough. Find another way to get him on the field or, or just in the lineup in general. But I don't like that. I think that he does he does belong on this team, but there is some growth that needs to happen. And maybe, I'm not saying an IL stint or a phantom IL stint is what is necessary, but there needs to be something to say, look, you are not helping this team win on both ends of the field, you need to be held accountable. And look what John Schneider did. Like, I think it was last year uh, where when Vladdy, he hit, it was like, it was looking like it was going to be a home run, but he jogged and then he was out at second. He held him accountable. He needs to hold other players like this accountable because you cannot be this much of a liability, especially if you're, you are considering to be a World Series caliber team. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. Um uh, I, I guess I'll start with what I agree with you on because I think that's a shorter list than what I disagree with you on. <laughs> I agree that his defense is a liability. I'll take it at that. You know, he is not and he's never been a plus defender and that's never what he's been to the Blue Jays. He's never been... He, that's not the role he's supposed to fill with this team. The role he fills is an offense for a shortstop. And whatever you get defensively is a plus. Whatever you don't get defensively is what you expect. Um, I agree with you on that. Does the defense need to improve? Yes, it does need to improve. Uh, we've been talking about this for years, right? Ever since he debuted, this has been an issue. And it's been a topic on this podcast many times in the past, both previous seasons and this season. The defense needs to improve. But I think that's where my agreement with you ends. Uh, you're talking about... So you genuinely think he should be sent to the minors. Maybe it's just for a week or two at max, but there needs to be something to say you need to be a better defender if you want to be in this lineup. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, let me just read you some stats of his offense and tell me if you still think that he should be taken out of this lineup. He leads all of baseball in hits. He leads all of baseball in total bases. You look at his stack cast page. Average exit velocity, 92 percentile. Max exit velocity, 89th percentile. Hard hit percentage, 86th percentile. Expected batting average, 100th percentile. Expected slugging, 95th percentile. K percentage, 85th percentile, meaning good, on the good side of that. Barrel percentage, 73rd percentile. He's 
an impeccable hitter. You're really talking about removing this guy from the lineup? I'm not saying that the lineup will not suffer, but he cannot be this bad defensively. And it, you can't not make these routine plays. And look, I get it. They're going to be plays from time to time. Look at Matt Chapman. Uh, I can't remember when it was. A couple weeks ago. or There were a stretch of a few games where he just was making a couple bad throws. It's going to happen. But with Bo Bichette, it's almost like every time the ball's thrown to him or hit to him or just whatever, it's in his vicinity, I hold my breath and I get a little nervous. And I don't want that to happen. I don't want to be down the stretch at the end of the season, playoffs, whatever, and thinking, oh no, is he going to make a play? I'm not saying this this minor thing is a, or going to the minors is a permanent thing at all. But you <laughs> need to know not. that. No, and I, absolutely not. I just want to make that like abundantly clear but you need to be if you're john schneider if you're the blue jays you need to say look you are a good player but right now you are hurting the team in this way and you need to be better i, mean, I know look, i'm gonna again, get hate for this yeah, for well, sure yeah, like, like i'm, I'm I, definitely on the minority here to be honest i think this might be your most bizarre take that you've ever had i don't agree with this at all like <laughs> i think it's kind of preposterous the idea of sending like yes the defense has to improve and we should be having a conversation about how you improve the defense how you get from where we are now or where we were at the start of the season or last year whatever you want the baseline to be to at least a competent fielder competent defensive guy at shortstops that isn't making these mistakes and isn't costing the Blue Jays a game but I mean sending him to the minors is a a step very far to go and so like I I don't know if we're talking about how you improve I'm happy to have that conversation and honestly like I think Bo Bichette has improved like if we're trying to answer the question of will his defense ever change or is this just a constant and this is who he is and we just kind of have to accept him for that like I think there's a fair argument to be made that this is who he is. It's not going to change. Let's just shut up about it. Enjoy the ride. Take the pluses with the minuses. And enjoy the fact that we have one of, if not the best, hitter in the American League on the Blue Jays and in the Blue Jays lineup every single day. But I think you can also make the argument that he has improved over his time in the majors. And just looking back at the stats... I was curious, because we do hear all the time about how he's like the first guy on the field. He's taking all these groundies, grounders with Louis Rivera before the game. Like, we hear constantly that he is this guy who puts in the work. So I wanted to find, like, does does this work actually pay off? And you look at his error rate per season. 2019, he had one error every six games. That's what he averaged. 2020, very small sample size. He only played 26 games in the shortened season. He had one error every 8.6 games. 2021, it was back down. One error every 6.2 games. 2022, a little bit better. One error every 6.8 games. And then 2023, so far this season, including yesterday's error to lose the ball game, he's averaging one error every nine games. So I think it's fair to say his defense has improved. And before yesterday's error, he had gone a month without committing an error. Like I said earlier, he committed three errors in about the first week of the season, and then he went a month without committing an error. So I think it's fair to say that this work is paying off to an extent. We're seeing the improvement year over year. If you exclude 2020, his errors per game rate has improved constantly since 2019 through 2023, and of course as a small sample size this year, but his defense is getting better. And so I think that work is starting to pay off. Do we wish it could go faster? Yes. Like, he's been in the majors for, what, four seasons now? He's in his fifth season. Um, you know, 
I guess, third full season, if you really count 2021, 2022, and then this season. But it's improving. Would it be wonderful if it went faster? Yes, it would. But to be honest, I'm kind of in the camp that we just have to accept this is who Bobochet is. You can't really do anything dramatic to change it. I think the bat makes up for it. I'm ready to just kind of accept who he is, even if he does make these mistakes, even if I do sit on my couch, head in my hands, yelling at Bobochet every other night, or, I mean, in this case, one night a month for losing a ball game. Like, those days are going to come. I think we have to accept that's who he is, and he's still a plus for this team. Yeah, well, like, I can accept the occasional error. Like, Matt Chapman, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., they're going to make their errors, the gold glovers. Like, people are going to make errors in baseball. You're not going to be perfect. I'm just not willing to accept that Bo Bichette is going to be a subpar defender for the rest of his career, or at least for now. Like, I think that he needs to be better. And, I mean, if you're you're Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I saw the camera at the end of it. He does the whole, like, shirt untuck thing, but you can just see he's looking deflated. He's like, come on, dude. Like, you got to make that play. And he's obviously, I don't know if he's going to say anything to him. I mean, we don't know if there was anything said. I mean, who knows? But I can read, I can at least read facial expressions. And I can see that he's thinking this game should not be over. And I, I'm not saying that it's going to cause a ripple in the clubhouse. But to me, like, I'm not willing to accept that Bo Bichette is just going to be a bad defender. And he is improving. I'll give you credit for that. And I'll give him credit for that. He is improving. But it seems as if whenever he's making an error, it's just a play that it's just not acceptable to make, or it's in too pivotal, 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 excuse me, of a moment, or he's, it's just, to me, it's, it's just, it's not acceptable to me anymore. Like to, to see these types of errors in the situations costing your team, I know his offense is fantastic and that's why I'm probably going to get way more hate than I'm expecting to for saying that he's going to the minors, but there needs to be something to to just send that little message, that nail in the coffin, like, dude, you need to be better defensively if you want to help this team win. You clearly can do it offensively, but you're killing us defensively. There are so many other ways to do that, though. Like, like you could bench him for a day. You could, like, li- like literally institute a plan for him to get better. Like, you could... Ha- I mean, he already does this, so I don't know how much that would do, but you could say, like, an hour before every game, Bo... If you want to be in the lineup, you got to take these grounders or do X, Y, Z. Like you, there are so many other ways to get at this problem than sending him down to the minors, which is a very extreme measure for a guy who has like received MVP votes in the last two seasons. Like, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I just, really don't understand where you're coming from, Jacob. I just think, you know, I, I look at 2021, 2022, and now 2023. Yes, he's been better this season, but... This is not a conversation that we've only had once or only once um, or only one or two seasons. Like this is a repeated issue. And that's where I'm like, dude, like this cannot happen anymore. Like we talk about uh, like the whole Barrios and Manoa. We're like, okay, how are these guys clearly struggling this much? There are at least ways for them to get better. Bichette's not getting better, at least not to the extent that I want him to. And it pains me to say this, but it, he needs to get better. And I, I, to me, I think that this is like the last resort thing that I would do. And it would definitely not be the uh, the fan favorite thing, but there needs to be something to say, like, you need to be better defensively or else this team is going to suffer. I also don't think the errors capture the whole picture. Like, you do look at StatCast numbers and his outs above average. Right now, he's at 40th percentile. So that's, what, 10% below league average. 
And when we talk about the errors, like, yeah, the numbers are kind of shocking. Like, the most errors by a shortstop in all of baseball since he was called up. That's a number that's going to stand out. But when you look at it as outs above average and you think, okay, he's 10% below average defensively, but, like, I don't know, 50% above average offensively, maybe even more than that, I think you take the good with the bad and, man... Sending him to the minors. That's a new one, Jacob. That's <laughs> I still can't believe that uh, that's something you genuinely believe, genuinely believe. I don't want to believe it. I just, at some point, I think. <laughs> Anyways, we, we've beat this talk. We've beat this to a pulp. And I'm sure it's going to come up again. I'm sure we're going to have another opportunity in a couple weeks' time where Bo Bichette commits an error and it, whether it costs the Blue Jays a game or at least gives up a run or whatever, I'm sure we're going to have another opportunity to talk about something like this. So I look forward to checking in on whether you think you should go down to the minors then or not. Um, so we've been talking a lot about how terrible Bo Bichette's offense is. And I want to tell you about something that is not terrible. And that's Jay Birdie <laughs> Baseball Co. They're a new sponsor for the podcast for the time being. We're super excited to have them on board. And they've got some super cool gear. And obviously we're all giant baseball fans here. We all know the history of baseball in Canada, whether it's Babe Ruth hitting his first pro home run into Lake Ontario or, you know, Labatt Park in London being the oldest continually operated ballpark in the world. Um, these are all things that we as Canadian baseball fans cherish and take great pride in. Um, and now you can celebrate this legacy with Jay Birdie Baseball Co. They've got t-shirts, crewnecks, hoodies, and they've got a ton of more exciting gear on the way. It's must-have apparel for any Canadian baseball fan. You can check out jbirdie.ca to find all the gear you want. You can also look at the link below this episode to find your new favorite shirt. Jbirdie, Canada's baseball brand. All right, so the next thing we have to talk about is another con from this series. We had two starts, and they were kind of dueling pitchers the Blue Jays had Kevin Gosman in Wednesday's game and he pitched a game a gen and then they had Alec Manoa in Tuesday's game and he's been in a rut and he continued to be in that rut on Tuesday's game um I don't know there's a lot of analytics out there about how his slider isn't working and how he's not getting swings and misses anymore and I think it's his last two games have been two of the three worst starts in his career for swings and misses um, so the numbers jump off the page from there, and obviously something is wrong with him. I don't know. I have a hard time getting really worried about him because I think when you talk about Alec Manoa, like he had a lot of success in 2021, obviously a lot of success in 2022. He hasn't really struggled professionally up until this point in his career, but I have faith that he's going to be able to turn things around. I mean... As, as much as maybe it doesn't matter to some people, he's been through a lot off the field. I think he's going to be able to figure it out on the field. And I I mean, guys go through this. Like pitchers go through periods of their career where they just struggle. And whether hitters have picked up on something or whether it's something with a grip on a slider or whatever it may be, I'm confident that he's going to figure it out. I'm curious what you think, Jacob, if you're in the same boat or if you're a little bit more worried about the rut that Alec Manoa is in right now? Well, I was definitely... I'm not extremely worried, but I'm not not as worried, if that makes any sense. Like, at the beginning of the season, it was like, he gets opening day, he gets the home opener, maybe it's still the jitters, like, uh, back in the playoffs. 
he's not necessarily been there at least in most of his starts. I mean, you're looking at it only four and two thirds uh, against the Phillies, five innings against both uh, the Red Sox and the Mariners, seven innings, uh, seven, was that the shutout? Yeah, the seven shutout innings against the Yankees. So like, he's had stretches where he's good, and then he pitched seven innings uh, against the Royals, seven shutout. I mean, the Royals are pretty bad, but still, whatever. He was, he's still able at times to to rebound and be that pitcher that we expected him to be. So I'm not as worried. I mean, the slider is definitely a little bit concerning. He can't seem to locate it. And then you look at it, like, if you're not locating the slider, he's then is starting to struggle with the the fastball location. And then pitchers or hitters are like, okay, well, I'm not going to swing at an outside pitch because it's most likely going to be more outside than I think it's going to be. Or maybe he's not going to get that favorable call because he's not painting the corners or just he's not pitching uh, as ideally as he wants. And then that kind of uh, snowballs into a bigger issue as the outing goes on. But I don't think that this is going to be um, uh, anything that carries on for the rest of the season. I mean, we are approaching the middle of May, which means, I mean, you know, you're getting close to that two-thirds, or sorry, one-third of the way mark throughout the season, but he will turn things around. I think the, the only thing that I guess hurts the Blue Jays is their next little bit of the schedule isn't the easiest. I mean, they go home, play Atlanta, Yankees, Orioles have been pretty good, They then, then the Rays, Twins, Brewers, like, so it's it's not going to be the easiest schedule for him but I do think that he will turn things around and Phillies are I mean they kind of struggling not I mean they're not doing as as well as uh, as people expected them to do this season so far to this point but I still think that Alec Manoa will turn things around and, and he he knows he can like he's if if it really is jitters like just look at last season look at the season before that look what you were able to do he is clearly a talented pitcher who is just going through a bit of a rut and look at last year 2022 he pitched more than five innings every single time. 2021, I think he only did it except for once or twice. Uh, something like that. And where obviously the numbers are nothing compared to that. He's consistently only doing four innings, four and two thirds, something like that. But he can turn things around because he has proven in the past that he can just thrive under the bright lights of just major league uh, games. So I do think that he will turn things around. It's going to need to start happening soon. I mean, you look at, you know, the Blue Jays, unfortunately, don't give Kevin Gosman any run support. Alec Manoa is kind of struggling. I mean, Kikuchi and Barrios have turned things around um, to some extent. Uh, and then you look at Chris Bassett, kind of been a bit of a roller coaster of a season for him. But the rotation as a whole, it's been not what we've expected it to be. But I think if Alec Manoa can turn things around, him and Kevin Gosman can easily anchor this rotation. And easily, both of them are number one aces on any team. They're just 1A and 1B, I think, because of the fact that they're both on the same team. But I think Alec Manoa will turn things around. It's going to need to start happening soon. Getting a little bit more nervous with each start. But I do trust that when it's all said and done, you know, you look at down the line, September, October, hopefully playoffs, he will be a key contributor because he will have turned things around and he will have uh, let this bit of a bad start to the season uh, get behind him. Yeah, it is true that we are kind of, like, I guess we're at, like, the 25% way through the season mark. Like, we're at the quarter mark of the year so far. So, like, I think that's probably my biggest source of concern is the fact that we are starting to get, like, some legitimate sample sizes in with a lot of these guys. And the fact that we really haven't seen it from Alec Manila yet this year, aside from that start at Yankee Stadium, as you mentioned, against the Yankees. Like, that's really the only time this season when he has been 
himself, like who we expected him to be at the start of the year. And so I guess that's one area of concern, the fact that it's taking so long and we haven't really seen him totally click yet. And I guess that begs the question of how long this is going to last. I don't think any of us know. But I, I mean, one bright side that I'd take is the fact that he hasn't really been blowing up. Like, he had that one outing against the Rays when he gave up seven runs, but since then, like, the start at Yankee Stadium, and then he gave up two runs and five innings to Seattle, two runs and five innings to Boston, and then three runs and 4.2 innings to Philly. Like, these are far from ideal starts and far from what you would expect from Alec Manoa, but when you're putting it into context, like, he's still giving the Blue Jays a chance to win. I think that's the thing that matters the most here. Like, you can be struggling as a pitcher, and you can be trying to figure things out, but you got to still find a way to keep your team in the game. And I think he's been doing that. And um, it's not ideal. It's far from ideal. Like, uh, I mean, especially in his last start, the four walks and the one strikeout, the lack of command is concerning for me. But the fact that he's able to keep the Blue Jays in the game, to me, is the most important thing. And that's why I guess I have a hard time getting worried about him. Because obviously he's struggling. Obviously he's dealing with whatever the hell he's trying to figure out. But if he's keeping the Blue Jays in the game, if you can still win a game when he starts, I don't know. I have a hard time being concerned long-term. Um, again, my biggest concern is that we're at the quarter mark of the season and we haven't seen any signs that he has figured it out, but the fact that he keeps the Jays in the game even when he does struggle is a really big bonus for me. Well, yeah, if like your bad start is two innings or two run runs in five innings, against the Red Sox I mean yeah only I mean in that one the one walk and the three strikeouts like if that is what's considered a, a bad start for you then you're already ahead of the game in turning in terms of turning things around so I'm not totally worried about him yet I mean like we've just discussed we are getting you know a little bit more than just one two three starts throughout the season so things are definitely starting to possibly lock into place with how his whole season's going to be but at least he's able to limit the damage. And when he does struggle, I think that's what aces do. You're going to struggle at times, but if you can limit the damage, keep your team in the game, which, I mean, you look at it, I mean, only in that that Philadelphia start, only three earned runs. Like, yeah, it wasn't great. You didn't give your team the length that they needed, but it's not like you were four, two-thirds, seven earned runs. Like, you were still in the game. And, uh, you know, let's just hope that he is able to turn things around. I mean, they do have that big, uh, I think it's 12-game homestand if I'm not mistaken or something like that a couple series at home in a row so maybe it's just him and the team getting home is what's able to rejuvenate them but yeah I'm Alec Manoa I think has definitely earned the benefit of the doubt that he will turn things around because really other than this last six week span he's been one of the premier pitchers in the league and also in the grand scheme of things like I know before the season we talked about how much the Blue Jays would be in a great position if they got even average performances from Jose Barrios and Yusei Kikuchi. And both of them are pitching their butts off right now. So when you have those two guys pitching really well and Kevin Gosman being as good as he's been and then Chris Bassett in there as another great starter, like it sounds terrible to say, but you can afford Alec Manoa struggling a little bit and you can still be a very competitive team. The fact that they won as many games as they did last season with basically no four or fifth starter getting outs effectively. And now they have one starter who's kind of struggling consistently, but also still keeping them in the game. Like, it's a good situation to be in as much as we want Alec Manoa to perform and turn things around. Um, 
You mentioned the downside that he's not getting the Jays deep into the game, and that kind of cost the Blue Jays in the Tuesday game. Um, they were in it late, and the Blue Jays were looking for someone to eat up those bullpen innings, and John Schneider turned to Trevor Richards, who I will say his first inning of work, the seventh inning, struck out the side totally dominant. He came back out for the eighth inning, and this is where everything fell apart, and this is why people are criticizing John Schneider's managerial decisions, or at least one of the reasons why Trevor Richards proceeds to allow the first three batters of the inning to get on base. He's pulled. Eric Swanson later allows all three runs to come around to score, and that's kind of what killed the Blue Jays' chances in that game. Another managerial choice that's under fire by John Schneider. Um, in Tuesday's game, in that top of the seventh, before Trevor Richards came in to pitch, the bases were loaded with one out. Dalton Varsho was due up in the three-hole. Instead, George Springer was pinch hit for him, and Springer ended up striking out on three pitches. Um, I mean, Springer's health has been in question for quite a while now, and we know he hasn't gotten off to a good start of the season, and seems like he's still dealing with that virus or flu or whatever it was, and it's still nagging at him, and he hasn't really been able to play at all um, for, I mean, most of the season, but especially recently, he's gotten a lot of days off. Um, so that decision is a lot under a lot of fire for John Schneider, pinch hitting a guy who has been really hot lately in Dalton Varsho and putting in George Springer, who can't seem to do anything and certainly isn't healthy enough to start a game, so why would you put him in as a pinch hit solution? Um, and then another pinch hit, decision that's under fire by John Schneider is in Wednesday's game, top of the 10th. He lets Santiago Espinal up to bat. He gets out and then Kevin Kiermeyer comes up, or at least is supposed to come up, and he's pinch hit for with Alejandro Kirk. And it would have seemed that the splits would indicate otherwise. Santiago Espinal has been cold, has been off to a bad start to the season, and Kevin Kiermeyer has been, you know, not an all-star, but an adequate offensive bat, and instead, you instead of pinch hitting Kirk for Espinal, you pinch hit Kirk for Kiermaier. So that's a decision that people didn't like. So overall, three key decisions that a lot of people take issue with John Schneider over. Um, yeah, I think the personally, I think the pinch hitting decisions are questionable. The decision to leave Trevor Richards in to go a second inning, I'm fine with. Like, we just talked about the fact that Alec Manoa came out of the game early. The bullpen, as much as they got some rest in Pittsburgh, as much as they had the off day, you don't want to stress them too much. I'm fine with the decision having Trevor Richards go into his second inning. It unraveled, yes, maybe you don't do that in the future, but hindsight's 20-20. I think that decision was fine in the moment. The pinch hit decisions, I completely agree with the criticism. Not sure what John Schneider was thinking there. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that too. Like, you look at... I, like, I know Espinal's had, I mean, he had a good start to last season, didn't necessarily have the hottest second half, but I don't know why he's up to bat, and I, and I hate to say that because I'm a big Espinal fan, I, I I don't know why he's up to bat in that situation where Kiermaier isn't. I mean, Kiermaier, look at what he can do, Get it, he can bunt for a base hit, I mean, him and Varsho are surprisingly, like, really, really good at that, they're both great runners, I mean, I don't know why that decision was made, and then the Springer one... It's tough. I know his health has been in question. I know he's not had the greatest start to the season, but he is also one of the better players in baseball when he's healthy. Could be an MVP, at least considerable 
mention if he's healthy playing a full season, but all I can see is maybe John Schneider's trying to reignite his uh his bet one of his best players, but it didn't really work and I don't think that that's the right time to do it, so I'm I'm going to say that yeah, that criticism is definitely warranted, but with Trevor Richards, like what are you going to do? Your pitcher, your starting pitcher actually, he only he didn't even give you a uh, half a game. Like I mean, you can't literally divide 9 in half and get uh, that perfectly, but Alec Manoa didn't even pitch five. He can't even qualify for a win if you, um, I mean, he wouldn't have qualified anyways, but he didn't even give you five innings. I mean, I guess you can argue give Nate Pearson or Tim Meza a little bit of a longer outing or something like that, but I don't have a problem with keeping Trevor Richards in. He looked good. Like, let's be real here. That first inning, he wasn't bad. The second inning, things obviously started to unravel, but you need to trust guys like that. And unfortunately, Alec Manoa did not give the Blue Jays the length that they needed. And that's what happens. You know, we've talked about this in years past. Your starting rotation suffers. The bullpen then suffers uh, because of it. And I mean, even just looking at Trevor Richards, like, yeah, the three earned runs were charged to him. But the the May 3rd against the Red Sox, one and a third, only one earned run. April 30th against the Mariners, two innings, one earned run. And then the last time he allowed an earned run was April 6th against the Kansas City Royals. So he has not been bad. It's just, you know, not been great at times. You know, when he's, if that's the thing with relievers, you're only pitching one inning, you give up three that inflates your ERA, but he has been dependable. Just like Alec Manoa's kind of gained our trust that he will eventually turn things around, Trevor Richards has been quietly a lot better than people have expected him to be, or maybe that they think he's been. So I, I don't really criticize that move. If it works, then everyone calls John Schneider a genius. If it doesn't work, they're all coming for his job. But those uh, those pinch hitting decisions definitely questionable. And let's just hope he learns from this because I I, I swear I do not want to listen to another uh what was the chant fire Montoyo or I don't know. It was the game where I went to and after that everyone was just going like fire Montoyo chanting whatever. I can't do another one of that. Like I I want John Schneider to stay as this manager. I think that he is to some extent capable of doing it. I think he has the respect in the clubhouse, but you got to read the room and you got to look at your stats a little bit better in those situations when you're pinch hitting for guys. But as for pitching, there's only so much you can do when your your starter consistently gives you less than five innings and you need to use your bullpen more than you wanted to. I also think there's a lot, like a lot more considerations that go into a bullpen decision than a pinch hitting decision. Like pinch hitting to me is really just like stat. I guess the exception is George Springer, who, like, you got to consider his health and how much he's, I don't know what the word, like, how much he's with it, like, how much he can focus on it at bat right now. Like, I really don't know how bad his illness is. Uh, presumably, it's not too bad if he's available to pinch hit. But, uh, like, yeah, it, it's really a, a stats and a matchup and a splits consideration versus when you talk about the bullpen, there's so many other things that go into it. Like, you're talking about the usage that these certain guys have and yes, the stats and the splits, but also like what we've been talking about, like trying to save guys for the next day or trying to expose them less against certain players and certain teams. And, you know, they pitch this game that day. So you want to give them a day of rest. And like, there's so many considerations that go into it. So I have a hard time criticizing him for leaving Trevor Richards in there when like, when you consider all those things, he was probably the best option they had. And yeah, you can probably make the argument that like, Eric Swanson should have come in sooner. Like, there should have been a quicker pull. Like, once that first batter gets on, maybe you 
pull Trevor Richards instantly and just say, yeah, you did a nice job, but it's a close game. We got to move on to the next guy and keep it close. Like, I'd be fine with that, and maybe that's a criticism you can have. But again, to be honest, with the bullpen, there's so many things that go into it. I have a hard time criticizing it from the outside looking in unless it's truly egregious, as is, I think, the pinch hitting decisions in this case. And it's interesting because I also disagree with the decision last week against the Mariners when Dalton Varsho walked it off. I disagreed with the decision to have Varsho hit and not pinch hit with, I think it was with Merrifield who was on the bench in that situation. So there's been a couple pinch hitting situations early this season that I've disagreed with. So I don't know. That's a, That'll be something that we're watching as the season continues. Um, one last thing to mention before we get to series predictions is just the absolute insanity of the AL East this season. And I mean, we all know this is the the nature of being a Blue Jay fan and the nature of competing in the AL East. But to start the season, it's been truly ridiculous. As things stand now, the last place team in the American League East, the New York Yankees, has a better record than the first place team in the American League Central, which I believe is still the Twins. It's bizarre. It's it's literally ranked 1 through 10 going down the standings of top of the AL East to bottom of the AL Central. And I'm a firm believer in the fact that if the Blue Jays were in a different division, they would be a much better team record-wise. I'm glad we get a little bit of an evened-out schedule this season, but it's very, very... I don't know. It's it's frustrating, but at the same time, like Blue Jays baseball wouldn't be the same if you were in a different division, not playing the Yankees, not playing the Red Sox. The identity of this team would be very different. So anyways, just one of those things we're tracking towards the end of the season. Um, Okay, the Blue Jays got an off day today. They will be back home for a series against the Atlanta Braves Friday through Sunday. We potentially get a Canadian kid coming back to pitch. I think it's Sunday's game. If he's healthy in time, the rumor has it. Uh, Jacob, what are your series predictions? Well, I'm just looking here. It looks like, I mean, nothing's confirmed on um, all these sources I'm looking, but I think Kikuchi's going to get that last game on the 14th. It's looking like Brios versus Bryce Elder on that Saturday game. And then tomorrow's game <laughs> looks like it's going to be a bit of a, I mean, sort of a pitcher's duel. I mean, you got Spencer Strider versus Chris Bassett. So, bit of a, an advantage for the for the Braves there, but... I'm going to say they take the last two. Like, I don't think that they lose this series. I mean, the Braves, we talk about how the Blue Jays have, or I mean, the last place team in the AL East has a better record than like half of the division leaders just in the league in general. Blue Jays, I mean, you look at the Braves, 25 and 12, first in the NL East. Blue Jays, 21 and 16, fourth in the AL East. So yes, okay, fair enough. A bit of a gap in their win totals, but still, this is two competitive teams. I think the Blue Jays lose that first game and then take the next two with... Funny enough, they're two aces, Jose Brios and Yusei Kikuchi on the mound. Um, I'm with you in they win two games, they lose one game. The game I say they lose is going to be the Mother's Day game on Sunday. It's Yusei Kikuchi, as you mentioned, probably our Canadian kid on the mound. On the other side of things, the Braves haven't announced it yet. Um, but I think they're going to lose that one. I think they'll win the Bassett start, and I think they'll win the Brios start. But both of those are going to be tough games because... As you alluded to, the Braves have really, really good pitching in those two matchups. So we'll see what happens. I'm going to go they lose Sunday. Bryson also submitted his prediction. He's also going 2 of 3. He says they lose Saturday. So all of us have it covered. If they go 2 and 1, one of us is getting the perfect guess. Just to update the standings, Jacob, it's not looking great for you, man. Um, 
How did I go? After, what, what? Hold on. Yeah, go on. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So before this series, you were in second. I was in third. But this past series, you said they would sweep 2-0 over the Phillies. So you automatically get minus two points because of that. Bryson and I both said they would split it. So we're at zero points because plus one for the win. Or plus one for the predicted loss, minus one for the predicted win. Um, so as things stand now, Bryson still has a very sizable lead. He's at 23 points. I'm at 17 points, and Jacob, you're at 16 points on the season. Oh, man. You don't look happy about the fact that well, you're Well, th- this road trip was a mess. I mean, they get swept it was. twice. They get swept twice, sweep one. Like, holy. Toronto sports yeah. has been a mess this last uh, six weeks, honestly. None of us really had any good predictions on this road trip. Like, in total for me, my road trip was minus three points. Bryson's was minus one point, and Jacob, you, you, you had a very don't even rough say road it. Trip. Don't even say it. You got negative okay, five it. points on this Ooh. road trip. <laughs> so you, after that series against Seattle, you were at twenty-one points, and now you're at sixteen points. It's quite the fall from grace. Well, that's bad. Bigger fall yeah. off than the Leafs in those first three games, which I didn't mention until now. <laughs> wow, wow! It took you what <laughs> forty-five minutes it. to talk about the Leafs. I'm amazed. That's a record. If you want my prediction for that, Leafs in seven. But anyways, this is a Blue Jays podcast. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> Panthers in five. Um, Not happening. <laughs> okay. On that note, <laughs> we'll wrap it up for today. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode. We really appreciate it. As always, you can support our podcast and check out everything we're doing at the link below this episode. It's also the link in our bio on social media, which is at section 138 pod, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. A reminder once again to check out Jaybirdy. The link to their gear is below this episode or it's jbirdie.ca. They got some awesome stuff going on. And you can, as always, rate and review our podcast wherever you get your podcast to help spread the word about what we're doing. All right, three games against the Braves. We're excited. Mother's Day weekend back home in Toronto. We'll catch you next time.